Valley Christian Church. It's great to see everybody today. I am Stephen Francis, and I am super excited to be giving you guys the first message in the new year. Now, before we go forward, I think it's important for us to have a moment to stop and reflect. So real quick, I want you to think to yourself, what are the biggest highlights and challenges that you had in 2016? There were a lot of great moments in 2016, new friendships, new doors of opportunity. And there was also some challenges, especially in our country, politically and socially. And I want you to think about all of those things that have transpired over the last year, things that God has done for you, things that God has brought you through. And with all of those things in mind, I just want us for a couple seconds before we go any further to stand up on our feet and give God a huge hand praise for how he has blessed us in 2016. Yeah, let's do it together right now. Everybody stand up. Let's do it. He is worthy. God is good. God is good. All right. Thank you guys so much. You may be seated. I am excited today for what we have for you. And is there something exciting about 2017? Everybody is energetic and they're filled with so much resolve. And I remember back in my home church, we used to always have some type of catchphrase or slogan for every year. And I actually remembered a few and I wanted to share some of them with you today. And they used to go like this. In 2002, God was going to do it for you. In 2003, you was going to get the victory. And in 2004, God was going to give you more. In 2005, dead things were coming alive. In 2006, you was going to get it fixed. In 2007, it was going to be an open heaven. In 2008, God was going to make it great. In 2009, everything was going to be just fine. In 2010, you was destined to win. And in 2011, you're going to get the open heaven that you should have got in 2007. And I declare that 2017, God is ready to step into your scene. Anybody receive that today out here? <laughs> awesome. So with all of that said, I'm sure many of you like me are looking to have a great 2017. And I want to be honest with you guys. I like to study successful people and figure out what things that they do. And I try to study successful people to see what things I could change up for 2017. And I came across this realization that a lot of the mindset that a lot of successful people have, people that have accomplished great things in their life, have the same mindset that comes from a passage of scripture. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. In fact, I am bold enough to say that not only if you apply this message to your life, we have a better 2017, but a better life holistically. And that's why I'm calling today's message, Insight for Increase. Insight for Increase. Today's uh, passage picks up in Matthew 25, but before we get into the scriptures, I want to give some context of what's happening here. See, in this time period, Jesus is now days away from being crucified, and he's spending his last moments teaching his disciples and his close friends about the kingdom of God, heaven, eternity, God, and how he interacts with man here on earth. 
And he does that through doing parables. Uh, the eternity and the kingdom of God is so complex that he uses parables in order to give lessons as to how we can understand it. And this is one of those parables that he teaches in Matthew 25. So we're going to go ahead and start here in verse 14. It reads as this, For the kingdom of God is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered them his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Now, I want to stop here and kind of dig into what's happening here because when we read this in 2017 in our United States of America mindset, we don't read too much into this passage. But at the time and in the culture that Jesus was speaking to, this opening start to the story would have been shocking and confusing. Because this word here in verse 14 that says servants actually means slave. And these people weren't slaves the way that we perceive slaves to be. These were people that were literally so poor that they volunteered themselves to become slaves. Not for the sake of payment, but in the hopes that they can live off the scraps of the people that they served under. On top of that, in this time and culture in Israel, this was considered a caste society. Meaning, if you were born poor, you stayed poor. You never had the opportunity to make more wealth and better yourself for you and your family. On top of that, if someone was born rich, they only associated with people that were of that status. So why in the world, in a culture like this, would a master ever stop and give these slaves anything, especially a talent? Because a talent in that time period is a literal bag of gold. He gave somebody five bags of gold, another two bags of gold, and a third one bag of gold. This was something that a master would probably give to his children, yet he gave it to slaves. People to the perception of that culture would be undeserving. And Jesus in this moment is saying that as far as we are from the master, so are we also from God. God is the master of the universe. He has spoken everything in creation through his words. Meaning he spoke every mountain to be so high, he spoke every ocean to be so deep. And it would seem unreasonable, it wouldn't make sense that God would be so concerned about each and every one of us. Yet still, he stops and he communes with us. And not only does he communicate with us and take care of us, but he gives us gifts. Things that we were undeserving, things that we didn't ask for. And this is actually the first part of our notes today, that you are gifted. Go ahead, find someone near you and tell them you are gifted. Thank you, guys. There's different ways that we are gifted. In this passage, we see that these men are gifted through talents, bags of money, but many of us are gifted in different ways that are considered wealthy. You could be gifted uh, in your personality. Some of you guys are extremely funny, you're witty, you're creative, you're extremely smart. Things that you were just naturally born with are your gifts. 
You can also be gifted in ability with a talent. You can sing. You are a great athlete. You, you're able to do certain things that other people can't do. You could be even, a talent could be even dress coordination or being a good cook. There are a variety of different ways that you are gifted through ability. And if you are a believer in here, it means that you are gifted spiritually. It be, if you are a Christian in here, it means that you have accepted the free gift of Jesus Christ. You believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and that means that you have an eternal salvation through him. But not only are you given that, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, you are gifted with gifts, spiritual gifts, things that happen in the natural that now have supernatural significance, supernatural power. And there's way more gifts than that. But still, we are all gifted in some way, shape, or form. Now, it's important for us to understand as well that even though we're all gifted, we're not all gifted the same. Can we go back again to that verse in Matthew 25, starting verse 15, which says, And he gave one five talents, another two, and another one. See, this to me is kind of troubling because it doesn't seem fair. How is it that one person gets more talents than the other two combined? And I think this bothers me a lot because I'm someone that grew up with siblings. And many of you guys in here that have grown up with siblings before, you know the feeling of seeing your sibling get more of what it is that you want or they get to do what it is that you want. And not only do you feel like it's unfair, but it kind of leaves you feeling like you have nothing at all. And we never really grow out of that either. We grow up the rest of our lives comparing what it is that we have to other people. And it can be frustrating at times because there are things that we care about. There are things that we are invested in. Yet for some reason, there's just somebody else that seems to just naturally be better at than we are with it. Naturally has things come more easily to them. You think you got a great job. You think you got a great house. Then you go to someone else's house and you feel like you are broke. You thought you could sing, but then you heard Jess Rush or Jess Dandridge sing, and now you feel like, oh, I should just keep it in the shower. No one should hear me. And it can leave us sometimes feeling like, God, that's not fair. Why is it that they're so gifted and talented and I just have little to nothing? An answer that we get to why that is is here where it says that the master gave these people talents according to their own ability. This is something that should free us up. This is something that should actually, actually encourage us. Because this lets us know that God gives us gifts considering what we could handle before we receive it. I remember hearing a mentor tell me that not every blessing is a blessing. Not every success is a success. Because what could be great for you could actually be crushing to me. So if we have that mindset, instead of us trying to compare and complain about what someone else can do, what someone else has, it helps freeze us up to say, you know what? Thank God that I've been given this. Now what can I do with it? This leads us now to the next part, uh, the next part of our notes that says this, that God gives, that God gifts gives. Oh, we, we're going to have to fix that later. God gives gifts that offer an opportunity to grow your capacity. Before I go into that point, I want to talk about something that happened to me. Do we have any married men in here or any guys that are dating? All right, cool. Thank you. Thank you. 
Um, many of you men have probably had this situation happen to them. And I love all the ladies in here. Let me say that beforehand. But many of you men in here have had a situation where you were sitting with your significant other. And maybe you were looking to have dinner or going to do something fun. And you ask your significant other, um, what do you want? And the response, which at first seems reasonable but ends up to be this epic mind game, is I don't know whatever it is you want. And I call it that because there are so many times where I hear that and I just decide, okay, let's go here, let's do that. And suddenly it's like, no, 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 no. And I'm kind of like, well, how about you just tell me what you don't want then? And then we can just try to make an idea of like what to do from there. I don't know. But this is something that happens sometimes with my wife and I, who I love very much. And, and, and this especially happens around the holidays. Because many times, uh, well, I'll be honest, uh, all the time for me, and you can judge me if you want, but once Christmas time shows up, I always have a detailed Christmas list. It's in PDF format. There are pictures. I have price comparisons. I give an update if you sign up for my subscription of what it is that I want. And it's not that I think that Christmas is about presents. Not at all. It's just one of the things where if you're going to bless me with a gift, I might as well help you out in trying to find what it is you want but still my wife is not so much like this so our first Christmas together I wanted to know what she wanted and she said she didn't really know but I really wanted to get her something special I wanted to get her something nice so I decided that I was going to get her a KitchenAid and many of you guys have seen those big KitchenAids that come in big bright colors some of you guys probably own it and I thought that this was going to be a great surprise here it is right here I thought this was going to be a great surprise something for her to enjoy but the thing was, uh, I didn't want to buy it in a store because I didn't know how to cover up what it is that I bought. So I decided to buy it online. Now, many of you guys in here are online shoppers, I'm sure. And you know that there's this moment when you order something online and how it could be a little tricky because depending on what packaging, what it is that you ordered comes in, it could be a big clue as to what it is that you bought. You want it to be a secret. So I try to be slick about it. I try to have it sent to someone else's house, and I try to have it sent to, you know, uh, my job. But none of that worked, and it ended up coming to my house. I got the notification on my email that was coming to my house. And I tried to be optimistic about it. I was like, okay, a huge box is coming to the house, and it's around Christmas time. But you know what? It's fine. I trust this website. Surely it's just going to be a nice big brown box, and it's not going to say anything. I was wrong. When the box came to our house, me and my wife came home, and the box was there. And sure enough, the box said KitchenAid Mixer. Red with this picture on it. Everything about the KitchenAid was on the box. And my surprise was ruined. My wife, who was so excited about it, quickly took it out the box, and she said, no use wrapping it now. We know what it is. And she immediately started making cookies. It was great for her, it was tough for me. But still, one of the things I remember about that story in that day when she got that KitchenAid mixer was she said that this KitchenAid gives her now the opportunity to bake so much more things at so much of a faster rate. And it made me think to myself that the best gifts aren't always the ones that are a surprise, but the best gifts are the ones that open up opportunities. 
When you give someone a gift like an instrument or a bike, skateboard, maybe even a football, basketball, you're not just giving them a gift, but you're giving them an opportunity to learn a skill, to grow, to develop something, to better themselves, to maybe even better the people around them. And God being the ultimate gift giver gives us gifts with that in mind. If he didn't have that in mind, then the story would have been over. He would have gave one five, one two, one one, and left. They would have spent it on themselves and moved forward. But instead, we see that these slaves take this gift and use it as an opportunity to grow. But this now brings me to the second point. The opportunity comes wrapped in opposition. Once again, we got to see this through the lens of the culture and time period that Jesus is telling the story. Because even though it was great that these slaves received talents, they received bags of money, they still only had the education of slaves. They still had the appearance on the outside of slaves. They might have been rich financially, but they probably were still slaves in mentality. So even though they were blessed with this money, they now have to figure out a way in order for them to make increase in their life. Every opportunity we have comes wrapped in opposition. I remember even hearing a pastor say one time that every opportunity that knocks your door wears the clothes of opposition. You can never have one without the other. And we know this already. This isn't big news to us. Many of us in here have had moments where we said, you know what, I'm going to start going on a diet. And the day we go on that diet, that's suddenly when there's free pizza at work and it's everybody's birthday and you, you can't get any, get any healthy food. There are also times where we say, you know what, I'm going to be a nicer person. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to get so angry. And suddenly the most irritating people in our lives start to show up and start doing the most irritating things. Many of us have had that moment where we said, you know what, I'm trying to grow with Jesus. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray longer. And suddenly every uh, busyness in our life, every distraction seems to start popping up. And we don't even understand. Now we're doing less than what we were doing before. But to me, the biggest opposition that we face when it comes to the opportunities that we take it's the perception of what it is that we're capable of, whether it's from us or whether it's from the people around us. You know, I remember hearing this uh, person online say that we need to be content with our capacity. But this actually, even though it sounded nice at first, seemed problematic. Because how do you know the difference between what it is that you're fully capable of and what's just your current condition? You know, one of the things that I believe a lot of people lie to us about is that you can do anything. We know that's not true. You can't be anything you want to be when you grow up. And I'm living evidence of that. Because I remember when I was 12 years old, there was one thing I wanted in this world to be. And that was a rapper. That's right. That stereotype. I wanted to be a rapper. And I remember at the time, there was all these different type of rap names, like Lil Bow Wow and Lil Romeo. So my rap name was Lil Steve. And I'd run around, and I'd be like, yo, my name's Lil Steve and the place to be. If you want to find me, I'm at Valley. That's the only rap I could ever make up. That's, that's the extent of my talent. 
And I remember I went to my cousin Brandon, uh, who's the same age as me. I was like, hey, Brandon, let's, let's become rappers, man. Let's get rich. And he was like, all right, cool. So my name is Lil Steve, and my cousin Brandon was Breezy. And we went into the studio, and we started making hits with our little, like, Home Alone audio recorder that Macaulay Culkin had, Humble Beginnings. And I remember when we were trying to make rap music that we realized he was okay, but we realized that I am not a good rapper. I'm not even a bad rapper. I'm just not a rapper. I can't rap. It's not happening. It doesn't work. So I had to give that up. But then later on, a few years later, when I was about 15, I realized that God called me to do ministry. And me and my family started going to this new church that was in Hartford. And I remember telling one of the leaders at the church that one day I'd like to become a preacher. And this person meant well, but at the same time, he said to me, listen, even though that's great, I don't think you can do it because you don't seem like you have the ability to own a room, which was his way of saying I was too quiet, I was too shy to ever be able to hold someone's attention on a stage but I decided not to listen to him. And even though I wasn't going to have the opportunity to preach anything, I decided to join a prayer ministry. My grandmother raised me on the importance of prayer. So I decided to join this prayer ministry that was in the church. And literally, I was 15 years old, and the next youngest person was 78. Like, there was a significant age gap in this group by generations. Everybody always talked about the war, but... um. But I was in this prayer ministry at 15 years old. And I remember I was praying with these incredible groups of people. And they said, you know what, Stephen, how about you do a little sermonette? You do a little Bible study for us before we open up and pray one day. And I decided to do it. And they said, that wasn't too bad. How about you keep it up? Every time we meet together, just have a little something for us to, to do. And I started doing that. And, and I really appreciated that. And then one day, uh, the lead pastor of the church that I was attending, he wanted someone from the prayer ministry to pray for a particular service to represent the service. And the, the, the people in the prayer group said, Stephen, how about you do it? I was like, okay, I'll do my best. And it was my first time, and it was about 1,500 people that were there. And I remember I was praying. I had my eyes closed, and my hand was shaking like this. I could, no one could really hear me because the mic couldn't stay in front of my mouth. I knew it was bad because later on I saw my friends, and they were like, hey, what's up, Steven? <laughs> you doing all right? Got the shakes? But either way, I took that opportunity. And that opportunity led to another, to another, to now here I am today preaching this message in front of you wonderful people on the first day of 2017. What one person perceived as my capacity was just my current condition. And because I took the opportunity to grow it, here I am today. So let me ask you before we move, move forward, what is it that in, is in your life that you view as your capacity but it's actually just your current condition. And many times what we'll do is, instead of us trying to grow our capacity, we just come up with excuses and, and caps on it. We just say, you know what? I just can't do that. That's not me. I'm not good at that. Uh, maybe someone else. But in reality, what we're saying that we can't do, we're just saying more of we won't do in order to grow. So we see this play out in the story of Matthew 25. Verses 16 to 18, 
He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more. So also he who had the two talents made two more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Eventually, the master comes back. And the one that has five says, hey, listen, you remember how you gave me five? I've made it ten. The master is pleased and he says, come live life with me. Then the one that had two shows up and he's like, hey, you know how you made, gave me two? Now I've made it four. And, and the master says, great job. Now come with me. Now real quick, I need to say this. Notice how even though they both didn't have the same amount, they both managed to make a 100% increase on what it is that God had given them. They, even though they didn't have the same amount, they still used the same opportunities that were given to them in order to make more. So they do that, and then the third person comes and kind of messes up the story. He shows up and he says, Master, listen, you know, I know you're kind of a cruel guy. You're, you're very tough on your people. So because of that, he says this in Matthew 25, 25, I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. I want to focus on these two things here. I was afraid and I went and hid. You know, I believe hiding is a natural response to fear for the sake of survival. But when you live in a mentality of fear, all you do is try to survive. And the longer you live a life trying to survive, the more you'll never know what it's like to actually succeed. So much so that you'll start to view your day-to-day -day survival as success. This now brings me to the next point, that you don't make survival your success. Many of us end up in this place because of the fear of failure, but sometimes it's just being comfortable, enjoying the status quo. Your marriage could be better. Your relationship with your kids, your, your, your job could be better. But instead, for whatever reasons, whether it's fear, whether it's just being comfortable, whether it's honestly just being lazy, we decide to say, you know what? Things are fine the way they are. I'm not trying to change things up. So instead, we end up going day in and day in, doing the minimal of what we can do in order to have success or make that our success going to the day to day. But the thing about this is, is after the third slave tells the master what he did with the money, the master becomes furious. And he says, you could have, you should have did something with my money. The least you could have done is invest in it somewhere. How dare you just do this to my money? And he curses the third slave and he throws him into outer darkness, the verses say. In this part of the story, I struggle with the most. I struggle with this third part of the story because if you look back at the story, and you can read it in your own time in any version that you'd like, you notice something. 
the master never told the slaves what to do with the money. He gave one five, he gave one two, he gave a third one, and then he left. So I'm kind of lost because in my mind, why would he be so upset when he didn't even give instructions on what he was supposed to do, what the slave was supposed to do? Perhaps if he would have given the slave some instructions on what to do with the money, then he would have been in a better situation. If he had a better condition, maybe he would have been able to grow. And I heard a pastor talk about this one time, and he said something that I thought was extremely powerful. He said this, that while the third slave was looking for instruction, the reason why the master was mad is because this should have been instinct. My next point here is that you don't confuse if and when with now or never. Everything in creation, like I said before, God being the master of all things in creation, does things instinctively. A peregrine falcon can fly to speeds of 242 miles an hour because it was created to do that. A grasshopper can jump 20 times the length of its body because God made it capable of doing that. But the greatest of all creation, scripture says this, is man. So much so he put his own image on us. And he's given us capabilities far beyond what we even know, especially through the power of his Holy Spirit here as Christians. Yet despite everything that we are capable of doing, for some reason, many of us are just content with sitting. With being okay with just doing enough. Instead of trying to grow, we are comfortable with being safe and the expected. And if God gives you anything, he gives it to you with the expectancy to make it better. That's not to say that we're supposed to be perfect. But everything he's given us is given with the expectancy that we are going to use it to the glory of his name, to the betterment of ourselves and the people around us. So the question now is, with this in mind, how do we find success? How do we make ourselves better? I believe there are three easy ways that we can do that. And that's what many successful, already, many successful people already do. The first thing is you have to know your gift. What is it that God has given you? What is it that you're good at? Whether it's your personality, whether it's a, a talent that you possess, whether it's even just something that God has put in your heart, being compassionate, being hospitable, all of those things are gifts that you can use to the betterment of the people around you, to the betterment of yourself and to the glory of God. But if you don't know what it is that you have, then you don't even know how to use what you've been given. One way that we can know that, if there's anybody in here that is struggling with that, is you can take Growth Track here at Valley Christian Church and Growth Track 301. We offer a personality and spiritual gifts test, and that's a great way for you to figure out how God has designed you and where you can even serve with that type of gifting here at Valley Christian Church. But the second thing that we need to do after we know what our gifts are is we need to create a goal. 
Know that God has gifted you and God wants you to start using the gifts to create something, to push something, to open up opportunities for yourself. And that's the way that we do it through goals. To be honest, I think one of the mistakes that a lot of us make is we make, we have goals, but we just kind of make it too ambiguous. For 2017, I want to lose weight. Well, how much weight? When do you want to lose the weight? By When you start to create things that, that are a little bit more tangible, ones that are a little bit more achievable, then you are able to start to accomplish those goals. Something that we do here at Valley Christian Church is we have BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals, which are great. But then on top of having a BHAG, we also have a S-bag. It sounds weird, but trust me. And that's a stretching but achievable goal. So if you want to lose weight, then maybe instead of just saying that, you say, you know what, I want to run a 10K by June 2017. And you do everything that you can in order to make that stretching but achievable goal possible in order to achieve what it is your big, hairy, audacious goal is. And that doesn't just work with New Year's resolutions. That works with everywhere in your life, especially with the gifts that God has given you. The third thing that we need to do also is grow in confidence and gratitude. God is the master gift giver. And God being a creator, being one that likes to go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, is not going to give you anything in the mindset that you will fail at it. Every gift that God has given you is to accomplish something positive. And when we know what our gift is and we have those goals, we can go with the confidence that God is with us. That God will help us accomplish everything that we are setting out to do if it's to the glory of his name and his will. But not only do we go in confidence, but we also have to have times to stop and say thank you. Something that I thought was so unique with a lot of successful people and something that's already seen in scripture is that most successful people stop and say, what is it that I am thankful for right now in my life? Before I try to go and get the next thing, what am I grateful for right now that has been given to me? And I think that's a great practice for each and every one of us in here today to be sure that we are living lives of gratitude because God has done so much for us. God has done so much for this church. And we are going to be sure that we say thank you before we try to ask God for another thing. So with all of that said, my time is up. And I want to ask this question. What will you do with what God has given you? Every person in here has a gift. I know this because God does not make zeros. And God has called each and every person in here to do something. And here's the deal. We may not know all the details. We may not have every instruction piece by piece by piece. But one thing is sure, what we see from the story is whatever it is that we've been given, we are supposed to go. We're supposed to grow it. We're supposed to make things better. Not just for ourselves, but for the people around us. And maybe you're someone in here today where you've been struggling with this for a long time. And today you want to say to God, you know what, God, I know you've given me things. I know I've been comfortable. I've, been, I've had this fear of failure and I've been living in this state of survival for so long. Lord, help me to do that. Help me to overcome today so I can live a life for success for your name's sake. I want to pray for you right now. 
And I also want to pray for any person in here today that has not received the ultimate gift that we've been given. And that is Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in your life. Because before you could do anything with what God has given you naturally, it's important that you go forward with the spiritual gift of eternal salvation, of having God with you no matter where you are going today. So with that said, every eye bowed and uh, head bowed, excuse me, and eye closed. And if you're in here today and you're looking for God to speak into your life and give you salvation, I want to offer this prayer to you. And if you are one of these people, I want you to repeat after me in these words. And it goes like this. Lord Jesus, I admit that you are God and Savior. I thank you for the salvation that you gave me on the cross. And I know that you are God because you rose on the third day. Lord, forgive me of my sins today. Lord, help me to live a life that is a reflection of you instead of me just trying to make it through every day of survival. God, thank you for your gift of salvation. I recognize your lordship, and I will live my days for you. And Lord, I also want to make an additional prayer for anyone that's in here today that has been gifted with the things that can only come from you. And Lord, if they are in here today struggling with what it is their call is, with what it is they're supposed to do, give them confidence to go forward. Give them the confidence to know that, Father, if you gave it to them, Father, it is for them to be successful. It is for them to do more. And I pray that today be the beginning, Lord Jesus, of what will become a journey with you of increase and of love. Father, thank you. And we believe that all these things are done now in Jesus' name.